0: Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights Podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This week I've done an interview out and about Actually, in a tent. So this is the first episode I've recorded in a tent. Not just any tent. This is a safari tent. In fact, a safari lodge. To give it its official name. Now, the only peril of of recording something in that sort of environment is that a it's probably going to sound a little bit different acoustically. But also, it chucked it down with rain at one point in the interview. So I hope you can hear it all right. But the person I'm interviewing is Mark Scott. He's the CEO of Clear Sky Safari Lodges. A company that she set up. Well, I'll let him explain the background to it. But I've looked at this sector of the caravan industry because I think it's an interesting one to show that all these alternative styles of accommodation that are available. It's a growing sector, it's bringing new people into into campsites and and that style of holiday. It's an area that I haven't really studied in any great depth before, and I thought it was a by it was definitely time to do it. Also, coincidentally, Mark and his company are actually based practically less than 10 miles away from me. So I thought it was a great opportunity to go meet face-to-face, have a tour of his display of safari tents. And that's why we did the interview inside, one of them making it making it real. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And I will catch up with you after the interview. So for for this week's episode of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast, we're looking into the world of glamping, or more specifically, the safari tents at the moment. I'm here with Mark Scott from Clear Sky Safari Tents. Yes. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, Mark. Well, is that is that the right title?
1: Yes, that's that's good enough.
0: Cool. Yeah. And fortunately, you actually live about ten miles or so from me, so I'll come to visit you today. Yeah. And we're actually in one of your safari tents, so I don't know what the acoustics are going to be like, but it'll <laughs> it'll make it sound real. So let's. So this is an interesting part of the caravan industry to me because I know lots of campsites diversify in terms of units of accommodation yep. going. I don't know. I know use. Well, for, we've already been talking about. They're your safari tents at the Love to Stay campsite yeah. at Salap Leisure, aren't they? So they are, yeah. Could you give me any quick examples of any other sites that we might know in the UK?
1: We provide the National Trust, the and Motorhome Club. We provide quite a lot to parking resorts, various parks all the way down the southwest. Mm-hmm. Haven Holidays, we, we do quite a lot of away resorts. So, yeah, a, a range of sort of parks that... You probably would know, um, mm. and uh, we, we're doing a fair amount up in the Lake District work at the moment as well. So, so cool!
0: How long has your company been going? Then did you start it? What's what's your background?
1: Yeah, so I I used to work in the holiday park industry, mainly uh, well <laughs> around Hemel Hempstead, which is where all the head offices are. So I was doing a fair amount of data analysis data analytics and in particular at Haven I was doing I was freelance but I was doing a project about about how you could target people that are coming in to park to see whether or not they were potential targets for selling statics and lodges too right and it was around that sort of 2000 2007 2008 period when there was a bit of a downturn in the economy so the number, the amount of money coming in park was getting less and so the idea was how can we get new football back on par, and when i was looking at it it for me the thing that that jumped out was the idea of a different accommodation different experience i think if you go back to the sort of you know, the 90s and the noughties the there was still that hangover of people wanting to go on holiday to a holiday park and they were quite happy to have rows and rows and rows of statics mm-hmm. as long as the kids were you know, running off and being safe, then it was pretty much that's it. Right. But the the 25-45 age bracket, certainly in the 2000s onwards, has become much more experience-orientated and much less willing to put up with the sort of standard approach to holiday parks. So the idea was to try and find something new i'd been to astonburyville places and i met the people there with camp kerala and i watched what they were doing i mean obviously it's a very different product it's it's a very short term product five days Oh, i uh, see yeah but but very expensive i mean they were i think they're i'm going back some now but i think at the time their their most expensive bell tent was about at nine thousand pounds i think for the weekend their most expensive this year round was about 27 grand so it's very expensive to to just rent it yeah yeah i mean it not, does it not come. buy it. no, no 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 i uh, know the tents are yeah yeah no i mean it does come with a i think they bring you in by helicopter and there's a guy oh, like okay. down to the stage and right you get a butler and it is it, a big thing The yeah. point was it was experience yes because yes. t- if you looked at the tents, you'd say well they're, they're pakistani tents and they are you know they're, they're okay but they're not great quality but when you dress them and you add the experience in suddenly yes. it becomes something new yeah and so what i was looking for was something that, that and i i spent a good two years looking at options and trying to design stuff for myself and the the obvious thing was the, the the sort of driving design criteria was it had to have separate bedrooms you know it couldn't be at, at the time there were a number of yurts around these sort of single room random oh, yeah. things yeah um Tended to be fairly poor quality. They tended to be, you know, cottage industry made, and it's a single room. And if it's raining outside, you're stuck in there with two kids. And you know, what do I do next? And so it it needed bedrooms. It needed to have a cooking and sitting area. So it was really a a a canvas lodge, which is why we call them lodges, not not tents. Okay. Uh, And so, and we I looked around the UK to try and get them made here. Spoke to a couple of companies, but but no one could do the volume. And actually, to be honest, couldn't do the quality either. Uh, uh, really? The, there were a few companies around that were making marquees, but when they transferred over into this sort of market, it just didn't work. The framing was wrong, the guidelines, Because we want to sell into the, the time, but we were more or less exclusively a holiday park, or I was thinking about the holiday park. Mm. It shouldn't have guidelines. so otherwise i would pitch and you've got whole health and safety with the lines yes yes so so we moved away so we had to have a design that would do that and that's what really drove and then we found there's a factory down in hungary who churn these who can churn these out and they do 35 fruity a week they make really wow uh, and the quality is excellent really yeah. really good canvas comes from holland so it it, it became uh, an obvious thing to start getting made there
0: Mm. Were well, they already making a similar product? Though. They were, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they were already- so in Europe, was, was this, was this well, it, already available in Europe? Yes. Uh,
1: well, yes, Or fashion it was, yeah. I, I mean, not quite the same. Um, but the whole uh, European market for camping and camping, uh, well, not so much camping, but camping and canvas, mm. is much bigger because of the weather. Well, yes. You know, they, yeah, you can yeah, go to yeah. the south of France, you can stay in one of these. And, yeah. and so a lot of them had those sort of cheap, how I call palford's tents. I mean, that's unfair fair. But <laughs> that, you know, they're, they're thirty-five quid, and you buy the whole thing, and then you throw it away at the end of the season. Right?
0: I'm th- thinking. I'm thinking of Eurocamp uh, yeah, or exactly. Canvas Holidays. Yes, that, yeah, those, exactly. Those sort of tents. Uh, exactly. but, yeah, I remember those years ago being yeah, on the hot side. and sweaty. Yeah, yeah, I've never stayed in one. To be fair, yeah. but uh, they seem very popular and get a lot of use. Yeah,
1: they do, and they yeah. uh, because of the weather. And yes. so, so you can go park. Everything's in there. Yeah. You, you camp for a bit, and off you go. Yeah, and the camping market is is very different in particularly uh, Holland, Germany. Not so much France, I Although there's a lot of. Holiday parks in France, mm. but from a cultural point of view, the Europeans do go camping and, and in this case, camping much, much more than other countries. Um, nice. And if you look at us, the UK, I mean, we've embraced this. this kind of dog. market, yeah. But it is still mainly the, 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 the we 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 set up in Scotland. The fact we've got some in the in the Hebrides, oh, um, wow, really? So it's probably a no. far as you go, yeah. But the bulk of the holiday industry is. Is, is in is in two or three places. You know, it's the southwest, co- Wales coast. It's the southwest, the whole of the southwest peninsula, yeah. running up to Southampton and then Norfolk and stuff like that. And then you've got stuff everywhere else, but mm-hmm. those are the sort of bolts because of the weather. Yeah. And pop, so we have it. A lot of their destinations they are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so we started making them. They were made for us down there, and we started selling them in the UK. So when was it? What year was that? Then what? Did that would have been two thousand nine. We got the, so the first thing I did in two thousand nine was I. I put three here and started running my own glamping site, uh, mainly to see what happened mm-hmm. and so that I had that experience. And we did a season and it did amazingly well. I mean, amazingly well. And then we kept that open for about three years, but we were getting busy with this so we had to start cutting that back. But the tents are still there, so we know they last twelve years. They, so we started doing that and then we started selling. The first year, 2010, I sold my first tent and that was a, that was a trip over sale. I mean, I was down talking to them about data analysis and. They said, yeah, what I really need is... And I went, oh, I've got one of those. I'll have one. And so that was the first one we sold. And then the next year, I think we sold 30-ish. And now we're up to about 192 hundred in the last season. So we... And that's our sort of, you know, our, our roll rate at the moment. It's probably... Well, the year before, like COVID year, we sold 160. And uh, we've gone up from there, really. So, what, an average, of about two hundred tents, I probably average about one eighty.
0: Like, yeah, yeah right still, no, this is a respectable number. If it is. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You're saying they, they obviously last years and years and years. Yes. So you're not into replacing any of them. Yet. This is all conquest. We're
1: starting now. To just now, we just did a holiday park. They had seven tents, and we've just replaced the inner cans. So, so you can. So the frame and the roof are fine. Mm-hmm. They're, they're bombproof. But the canvas does get grubby and it starts being hit by UV and stuff. So, over a period of time, but it's at that sort. It seems to be at that sort of eight-year bracket that holiday carts starting to replace the. You know, having said that, we've got some that are ten years old on farms on one particular farm down in, in Cornwall, and they've never replaced them. So, you know, it it, it it's about how you look after them. With right. due respect, holiday parks, they. You know they've got a lot going on, and, and yes. the idea of spending enough time to look after these is it's just that much. Different. They don't take a lot of looking after, mm. but you know on housekeeping, you've got grubby fingers on the on the canvas. You can do something about it, right? You know some kids put his greasy See, fingers fun. over, yeah. But you know it, it tends not to. So so we we, we work on about uh, when we're doing our business plans with clients or their business plans. We tend to look at about eight years as being at the you know in t- you know, again. Right, right. Okay, so you can just replace it yes. in a bit. Yes, the, the, yeah. Yeah, so the furniture is yeah. scaffold board, so that's not going anywhere. Oh, yeah. uh, the roof and the frame, PVC and, and treated timber, so that's not going anywhere. It just really is. You can just replace just the caps. And In fact, the new tents that we do now, the, all the front is completely zipped out. So because that's where the that's where the gets. People come in the door and they put their hands on it. Yes, on. okay. Uh, so you can now just replace the front. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask if you made any changes to the to the basic design since.
1: We have. Started, I mean, yeah. every year there's something happens. Just just things. I mean, I, I look at the old tents now. I mean, for instance, the very old tents were only five meters wide. These are all 5.4 now. So it. it Why is it, that? Is that just. Well, we, we were pushing the design of the frame. So we. Basically, we, we. These can take a force 10, force 11 because, you know, they're, they're strong. But if you go too wide. Then you start having to put crown posts in, which will um, be something in the middle to support the roach, right? Uh, so we, okay. and we don't want to do that, yeah, because we want an open space. So we we've got to five point four, and that's a safe space. I mean, anything be, and we did try it, but anything beyond five point four. I mean, there are some out there at five point five, but they, you know, they don't have the same strength. They they just got that much less rigidity in the frame and so we stuck at 5.4 but that that was a big step because that gave us a massive experience in terms of being able to add in shower rooms and such like that. other things like the the, the the windows you know you can you can replace the windows now so the whole window comes out for fire escape not not the front ones but all the mm. bedroom ones so we put fires we used to put the zips in the back so you could get out in the event of fire but now what we've done is the windows will come out So you can actually just get out that way. Okay, Uh, but the tapes are are thicker. The Mm. zips are better. Mm. The fine-tune the design. Yeah, I mean the overall design. I mean things like we put bigger windows in now. Mm. But overall, I mean the the actual design itself is is still much the same. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that we learn over 12 years of how do you make the experience easier and smoother for the guest? That's and, and housekeeping. Yeah, so that's really so we do things. like, I mean we've got a gas hob in here. But nearly all the tents we do now have got induction orbs, plug in, thirteen oven induction because you can clean them so much of oh, okay. so, and housekeeping becomes an issue. So, you know, it's not sort of like a, a lodge. Yeah. Where you go in and you do exactly the same every time. These are standard, but getting to the edges of the bed gets you know, housekeeping basically you have to take them into account. Yeah, sure. Time time, time is as time as money really is. not comes to you know, Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: That makes a lot a lot of sense. Yeah. So, who are your main customers? Are they are still part? Yeah, I mean, of... I, I think when we first started, glamping uh, has come through a big journey in the, in that twelve.
1: It has. It yeah, really has. Yeah.
0: I remember first thing I remember first remember my first memory of glamping becoming more popular, and, and this sort of thing would be, uh, is it Featherdown?
1: Are yeah, they, are they your tent? No, they're not. They're a French lake and uh, the Featherdown was interesting because they were early in the um, market, but they. What they were doing was creating a brand and experience led product, mm. which was a good thing to do. Mm. And they were all on farms or private. They're they were all the on farms. So the deal was so, that you, yeah. you are the farmer. Yeah. You want to put these tents up. You had to go and get all of the permissions. So planning permission. You had to put in all the infrastructure. Although those, the Featherdown farms didn't, uh, didn't have electric. They did have water and drainage. So you had to do all of that. And then you had to deliver the product. And the problem was with that was that the, the farmers were getting 20%. Roughly, and Featherdale was keeping eighty, and so the the economics didn't make a huge amount of so, sense. Has it stopped well, now? No, no, no. And it's then, still going. Yeah. yeah. Although it's not grown. So the guy that started originally, I think I'm right, right saying, was Centreparks Dutchman, and uh, he it, he had this idea of this holiday company. Yeah. And he set it up, and it was very, it was very, it was very Guardian reader it was right on message yeah, uh, yeah and in balance fact balance. there was a lot of uh, you know oh, if you haven't been on a s- feather down the film holiday sort of thing right oh, nice. but it was very and it still is it's still very basic you know this which sounds all very romantic mm-hmm. but you know quite frankly when you're trying to play scrabble <laughs> and the kids the banker in monopoly and they're nicking all the 10 pound notes you know it, 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 you, it you need lights i mean you need experience yeah. and so it was a very Oh, okay. I mean, I, you probably don't, but I, it was a very slow range of products and actually worked very well and still yeah. does. Yeah. Um, but it's much, much more leashed out. It's much more wild-gaping, really, in, in that sense. It's just not really luxury. Um, uh, and so they did that, and they did very well. Yeah. But what and what we were doing was we were coming in, and we were going to the farms and saying, Look, because the thing with Featherdown was they provided the tent, so there was no capital cost to you, the right. and then they did all the marketing project. and everything. They did the marketing and the booking. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but they were very prescriptive. You had to, yeah, you know, sell these crisps, or you had to have this in your in your honesty shop, uh, and okay. you know, it was all very on market yep. products, which is great. but yeah. well, it, but it wasn't. Cover. It wasn't really a, a and expandable um, and scalable business, right? And so, anyway, unfortunately, rather sadly, the chap died and it got taken over by a couple of guys and they've really run it in a different direction that's it. they did start trying to do these sort of cowboy lodges about seven or eight years ago and i have never seen any so i don't think it went very far sure. so anyway but that's still there but that's about it really and, and it wasn't the same product i mean we were we were looking because of my background with holiday clients i was looking at a, a product that you could sell a lot of and get a lot of people into and so that really sort of drove us down that path into, Mm -hmm. as I say, Haven Holidays, Part D Resorts, Part Resorts as it was, then Part D, then Part D Resorts. So yeah, yeah, that's really what we got to do. And do you now sell direct to farmers? We do. do So about 40%. uh, So when we first started, sorry, that's what I was going to say. When we first started, a lot of our sales, probably 60%, 70% volume-wise, were into farms. Were they really? Because of the diversifications. Yeah. Extra um, income for farmers, a exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as we that. as we concentrate and focus more on the holiday park market, so so take over, and I would say sixty seventy percent of our volume now is is holiday parks. About twenty percent is farms. The other ten percent things like farm tractions and other weird and wonderful stuff yeah that you just get
0: so if a farmer wanted one can you do that or do you is, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the, is it more normal for people to get half a dozen <laughs> you can money? you can
1: you can buy one right. no problem and some do but yeah. the the advice is you, so you get, get two to, as a minimum right because of that that group book so you often get this is oh, twenty five forty five family yes so like because holidays are about you know family life cycle it's about five year chunks right so when you first have children you've got babies then yeah. you go on a certain type of holiday yes. until they're about five <laughs> very
0: true and yes. then when they're
1: five you go on a certain type of holiday until are 10 yes and then another one from 10 to 15 and yes. then and then after 15 that's it they're in the pub that's um But, you know, so you're you going in those sort of, those chunks. And so it really, what the, what the, uh, there are other things. So we were, sorry, I can't remember what I'm saying now, but we we were looking at, so holiday parks, yeah. Yeah. And so, so what people were doing, what the holiday parks were starting to do was put these, because they had the bedrooms, because they've got the, the space, they've got the living space outside. Mm. They're relatively low cost compared to the lodges that they were putting in. Then it was, a, it was an obvious market for us to expand into. So as I say, now we probably, I, I would think probably 70% actually of our market is like that. Okay, that's interesting. And you've got a range of tents. Uh, yeah, about that, I mean, we? we do we do different models. And uh, this is our baby. This is the Comet. And it's it's slightly smaller. It's only 4.5 four meters long. But the whole principle of it was really to try and provide a, a lower cost, lower price entry market. Yeah. And also to allow for parks that have really nice shower blocks and so on. Oh, yeah. And, but they still wanted this luxury in here. Yeah. So these don't come... This model doesn't come with a shower and toilet. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas most of our tents do. We do the Woody range. We do three main sizes up to 49 square metres. We have just started making a Woody 4, which is 60 square metres, which is big. I mean, it, it is huge. Is yeah. Huge. yeah. What, what, was, what was the one you showed me at the top? So so the top one there is 49. 49 like, internal square metres. And that was that so big? It is. Yeah, big, yeah it is. So we imagine the 60. Yeah, yeah it's it. a bit further. Stuff. So, and we do a lot of that. We do, we do dining tents for a number of parts now where you put one of these up and it goes and um, all the sides roll up so it's a they use it as dining space we've done we did some work with guy richard providing him with some tents over this cooking table that he has we've done we did a couple of film sets just all sorts really but that in that that's in the sort of the 10% market right uh, right yeah
0: so yeah. yeah interesting though so the business has grown
1: successfully quite quickly Massive. Well, it's been it's 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 grown every year. Definitely. Well done. It is the 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 growth points have been more and last year was crazy. I mean, we went up nearly thirty percent. Really. And so I think we this year. I don't know. My my feeling is last year a lot of holiday parks are reporting lower footfall, and in fact we've got a big project for a for a safari park that's been put on hold because their footfall was down. So. I, I, my gut feel is that this year is going to be slow is because, because the holiday bookings weren't there last year. I actually think holiday bookings are going to go up through the roof this year because, you know, even now the, uh, I was talking to one of the park groups and their ABs, their advanced books are already up on, on pre COVID. So I think that's really, that's going to be interesting. Interesting. And there's also, there's a number of new players coming into the, the, the big park market groups. There's an American company called Cove Communities who have, I mean, I think they've only been over about 18 months. I think that's already up to about nine or 10 parks. And they're working really, really hard. Not, a, a lot of experience in that company and, and doing a lovely job. Another new group is Lover Parks. And again, really, really high quality parks, very high quality. Mm-hmm. And again, with tent, with, it's ten, With With, sorry, no, with, with, with ten both. Lodges. Yeah, lodges, yeah. With I mean, canvas with canvas lodges. Yeah, with the canvas oh. lodges, yes. Yeah. But also, I mean, I, remember. Holiday parks, their margin, their profit comes from selling account, the uh, selling lodges and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, what these do is provide the holiday park market with a new footfall. So, you people will come into. So, if you've got ten of these in your park, yeah, people will book these. Yeah. Who would never go on a caravan holiday in their lives, right. but they will do this. Yes. And so, they get on park, uh, assuming experience is good enough, which it mainly is, yeah. then. You know, they're an instant captive. Yeah. And also they tend to be they tend to be Waitrose shoppers and they tend to be driving and you, you know, yeah. they're that sort of, that uh, right. racket. Okay, Yeah. And so they're more to have the money necessary to buy the lodges and the, on the statics. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. As I
0: say, footfall, selling, selling now. It's new footfall. It's new yeah. demographic. Yeah. yeah that's, that's I was wondering whether people went on to buy their own tents or, or a motorhome or caravan, but you're thinking it's more. Uh, more statics up. and lodgings. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, obviously people do. Yeah. Uh, you know, Love like to We talked about earlier. Of course. I mean, yeah. he does sell definitely. Yeah. People will go on these and then they'll go and buy a motorhome.
0: Yeah, it mean, does him. Yeah,
1: that's the rain coming in. You're in here. That's right, <laughs> quite a storm.
0: I don't know if that can be heard through the microphone or not, but it anyway, yeah. it'll come and <laughs> go. We'll just have
1: play. So yeah, so I mean, not to say you know he does he, he, he sells caravans and motorhomes. As a result, he first went to Cambridge, didn't he? it's flat right loud, isn't it? Yeah, it's
0: coming down.
1: Even the dogs, the dogs coming
0: from outside. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So so i love to say, you know, they do there's definitely there's definitely information we've got that shows that people do go from these into buying statics and lodges. Right. But the important thing also is the the on market up People will spend more in the restaurants, they'll spend more in the gaming areas, they'll spend more in the bar. Right. So as an individual, people who come cloud and are gonna be spending more money. That.
0: Cool, oh, that's that makes sense. So I first saw your your uh products at the holiday park is the holiday parks and innovation in show,
1: it? innovation show yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. whatever what, did they have one last year maybe it was oh they did the yep. day. yeah they uh, yeah it wasn't there last year right? it's probably a couple of couple of years ago yeah. in that case but and you're obviously this year's show
1: yes yeah we'll be there we we've, we've always thought it with so the two shows we've always thought were the glamping show and the park innovation i mean the holiday park innovation show is part of five five shows. shows so We've got Holiday Park, we've got Farm Innovation, we've got Hungry House. Yes. yes. And we're right in the border between farm and holidays, so that's where we are. Right. And we do a lot of, I mean, we do, I do one of the keynote speeches there, always have done, and it's a a good, it's a good show. I mean, the Glamping Show this year was, was good. We've done that. We didn't do the coverage year. Yeah. They had a, they did put a show on, but it was all very sort of distance. Yes. yes. It, it, uh, and actually, we were worried about our team getting it, right. and then True. the company not being able function. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't do it that year. But otherwise, we've done the Edinburgh show and the car show all the time. But yeah, the Holyoak, we we do look forward to it as It's Two days of of pressure. We get very very busy. All the time. Oh, why
0: is it only two days then? Have they not thought of extending it? A bit Cost. More? Really. Oh right, okay. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. very
1: expensive. I mean, I think right. uh, you know, I think. You can spend a lot of money going to that show. Yeah, I, I, it is. I, I mean, there, there there are costs associated with going to the farm show that you just don't anticipate until you've done it. Uh, I mean, we our our so we we bring everything up on a juggernaut. Well, it's palletized basically. It's not always a juggernaut, but mm-hmm. but anyway, we have to lift it off, get it in the hall, dump here. We then have to build the tent. Yeah, and then we have to palletize it, get it or forklift back out again. Just the forklifting between. And it's like 100 meters max. The forklifting costs two and a half grand. Right. It's such a rip off. Really <laughs> <is terrible. laughs> but the company they have got a monopoly we can't oh. make anything about. Oh, that's a lucrative day oh, for them. Oh my god, I'd love to be a shareholder in that company. <laughs> so we don't so it's very expensive to do. Uh, yeah. but we've always done well out, of, so yeah, we, mm. we do mm. sure. So is, is this sector still growing
0: then? Um, seems to be. Lamping yeah. holidays. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. there's
1: always every year there's the conversation. So
0: you've had the big staycation boom, that must have been. Huge. A thing for you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean one of the one of the numbers we, we use as a metric for our business mm. is, is passenger numbers at Gatwick. The <laughs> 45 minutes down the road. Uh, yeah. And we look at, so if you go back to pre-COVID, they were push, pushing through some 60 million a year in passenger numbers. This past 12 months, it's been down with about five and a half million. So it's tiny compared to what it wow. was. Wow, that's a massive yeah. thing. And so I am i think there are people that are driving across rather than flying across. Right. But I think, it, you know, I think there's a, there's a real... And people have had the staycations. They've stayed in the UK realise actually it's a pretty decent place to go on holiday. It is, yeah. And so I think there's a there's an increase in, in numbers staying in the UK and going holiday in the UK. Mm-hmm. There's a there is a change to that in the sense that if you go if you fly to Spain, you chance you'll go for seven or 14 days. The staycation market is a later book. So people will literally ring up and say, you've got anything this weekend. On top of that, you've got a shorter break. So people will be booking, you know, the, the sort of three-night breaks or as opposed to, to sevens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, when we were running our site, we used to get people booking three-night breaks which is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but they would go home late Sunday because it's school night. So, yes, but they didn't mind paying because they were able to stay around all day Sunday. So, yeah. and there's a lot of experience of holiday houses that happened. Well, there was a lot of people working from home now, have, haven't you? So, you have, yeah.
0: they've got a bit more flexibility yes. to why well, and work from yeah. anywhere. So, they yeah. could easily and they do on a Thursday. Yeah, they do. In fact, I'm sure somebody told me that Thursday is the new Friday in terms of <laughs> site arrivals. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I think you're getting a bit of that. I mean, a lot of changeover days are still Fridays and Mondays. Yeah. But yeah, you are getting the flexibility. I mean, we, we've got one client over in Essex and they've got... 22. And he, he, when really COVID kicked in, he, he started doing one night stays, which I thought was a... You know, it's an expensive thing to do because yeah. you, you've got to do changeover, you've got to provide and Nelpenbuy, you know, etc. Yeah. But he's been full all the way through, so actually like was the right thing to do. And in fact, what he said was the one-nighters actually do then say, can I have two nights? I'll come back and book. Oh, okay. And it's okay, yeah. quite well.
0: So do you know, I mean, I know every business is different, but do you know roughly what sort of the nightly or to stay in one of your...
1: It, it, it varies very much. Yeah. Uh, so Holloway Park, let's look at some, one well, of part park team resorts. So mm. Down in the West Country, without facilities, so without internal showers and toilets, they'll be at about fourteen hundred a week. So roughly getting into that sort this is in peak. Yeah, getting into that $182,000 a night. Yeah, uh, they do come down to depending on positioning and so on, down to about nine hundred. So it's going to be in that bracket for no facilities. Yeah, if you put facilities in and you you lux them up, uh, I mean we've got one client charging six fifty. So, you know, it just varies so much. Right. But the average sort of market for these, as I say, properly done out with facilities inside, and depending on where you are in the country, can be anything between about 2 and 350 a night. pick. Ooh. It comes off that obviously, I think, but, but that's yeah. what you're looking at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it depends on what the, what the park is providing as well in terms of other like facilities. The and, the standard, and the standard of it.
1: It, it does. And, and those sort of prices, you know, if you're a farm and you've got three of these, you're right night rate's going to be high i was at farm yesterday and they make uh, they, they breed cattle and they're diversifying and, uh, and so on. and they they're looking at putting five in and they will be getting probably near 300 MP because amazing views beautiful facilities a bit of a farm tour in there as well you can go pack the calves and, <laughs> so fresh be eggs and stuff yeah whereas as i say you go down to uh you know a West Country Park with three of these, and uh, you'd be down a, you know that sort of probably 150, 120 maybe, with, with if you've got no well facilities. That's the same Right. Makes the difference. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah.
0: So I'm really impressed. You mentioned earlier that you've got someone on on a site in the Outer Hebrides. We have. So yeah. they must understand some pretty substantial
1: weather. They can. I mean, the, the frames are designed specifically designed, and uh, we have a we have to. These are sold in New Zealand, and there's a legal requirement over there to wind ratings. So we have to get them rated. How do you do that? <laughs> it's an engineering report. It's quite. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's about ten pages of completely incomprehensible figures. But there's a bit in there that says it will take about four to force eleven. I think i can't remember exactly, it. mm-hmm. but it's it will it, take it. And we and we do very well. I mean, I it, you know we've got as I say we've probably got about eighteen hundred, two thousand these in the UK now, and we do. We don't really get any problems with them they will take the wind and we've got them in very exposed positions the, the the what the wind what very heavy winds will do is it changes the maintenance program slightly sure so when you when you're winterizing them you pull the stuff away from the edges yeah. the furniture yeah but otherwise there's not much else to do but yeah they'll t- they'll take a huge amount
0: that is impressive and you mentioned New Zealand then are you exporting
1: quite a lot as well well we're part of a we're part of a network in that sense so we do ours here there's a distributor in America who gets them from the same factory although he's I think he's going to start making them over there which would make sense there's a guy that used to live in Holland now lives in Australia so they do the down there right and um, so yeah they're, they're sold well yeah. mm-hmm.
0: um, do you export into europe or is that a different market a little bit good itself yeah, yeah it's
1: it's a, it is a different market it's yeah. a much it's a it's a lower quality market in the sense of the experience so the, the european market is there's always been a camping market there's always been as we were talking earlier yeah. Eurocamp, euro ready Camp. yeah you've got the weather they're outside exactly inside. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so the tent doesn't have to be the same sort of quality yeah. because you know you're not going to get as much rain yeah uh, so it's a different market and it's not really our market it's we 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 sell on the basis of high end luxury mm. we sell on the basis of return on investment we're looking at providing a holiday experience that people wouldn't normally do if you're in france or if you're in holland or germany or wherever else you know going camping is a normal thing to do yes, yes. but over here it still has that connotation of 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 don't touch the canvas; it'll leak, and you know, sweaty. Well, I think it, people
0: it, have had bad experiences. Really, and yeah. I mean, there. don't get yeah. me wrong;
1: it's a great tent. Yeah, and uh, there's some good, really good companies out there selling so tents. Mm. But, mm. but it's a different thing, and, and so it's not a natural. I mean, uh, it, interesting. We, we do sell into Ireland, but very little because the Irish market is just not canvas friendly. You know, they don't think of camping as being a, a natural, and it's weather. Yes, you know they get yes. the Atlantic weather's coming in, and it's yes. just not something they do. They're right,
0: um, it's all right. It's funny the cultural differences, isn't it, around Europe? But totally, I was in. Uh, was well, the same with the caravan market as well. Yeah, of and you know, the designs of caravans over there have been different for many years because of the, yeah, the lifestyle yeah. and the way they yeah, yeah, yeah. I was down on a site in Southwest France in yeah. in the summer, big big site with the water park and everything. You know, they do parks very sites very well in yeah. France. Oh, I yeah, think, but yeah, sure. uh, but there was a mixture of accommodation. We were there in a motorhome, but there was uh, so there were touring pitches. And even those pictures varied from a standard one to yeah, uh, and deluxe, yeah. and then you got VIP with your own facilities and hot yep. tub and everything. But yep. what's interesting was the yeah the diversification of other accommodation available. Yep. So they were. Some fairly standard looking holiday homes I think, yep. you know, call yep. Stuff, yep. I think, and then there were some more trendier sort of or cooler looking ones with wood and outside showers and barbecues or whatever they, they, yeah. they look pretty nice and really modern and very respectable and but there were some there were some safari tents and I don't yep. know if they were yours or not and I didn't look that closely <laughs> I don't know which company was the uh, market there were definitely Eurocamp on tent on site but yeah. it was a big European site so it wouldn't have in fact, there weren't that many English on the site at all. So I'm guessing yeah, yeah. a lot of those companies operating there were probably other, maybe other brands.
1: that I'm not yeah, aware. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I, I, it's, I mean, the, the French. Because Haven, you saw in a company called Haven Europe, and they had some parks out there, and that became, that company became Sea Blue. But Sea Blue Holiday, well, Haven Europe never really got the booking traction in the UK, which is why they then moved out to, I think they're based in Bordola, and Sea Blue became, in effect, a French company. I think it's still owned in the UK, but in effect, it's unfortunate. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and their bookings went up because, it, it, you know, it's just not, it's a different marketing. It's just not the same. Yeah. And so, if we, right. uh, so I think, I think we, we've just not, yeah, we've done a few.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you've got plenty of business in the UK, really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Chris good. Well, so let me check my questions. Was there anything else we haven't covered? Yeah. So I was, anyway, I'd wondered how the pandemic had affected you. Obviously must've gone a bit quiet, but then picked up a bit like the caravan. World. Yeah.
1: It was quite strange actually. Cause we, we, I mean, in effect we closed down for about six weeks, I think. Mm. Then we didn't bring the scene back quite a while, but we were still functioning. Cause i was still working but but it it was we were getting orders through and quite a lot actually so we were we were fulfilling them in a different way but yeah it worked it was it was interesting but but the big difference was last year because any of these projects are at least a year long because you've got to think about it and then you've got to get the planning and then you've got to get the build done and people tend to want to be open for easter so during this twenty twenty two saying that we've had a massive because I think people in the COVID year weren't really doing that planning and building in the same they way. would have been must have been a bit nervous and difficult. I think there was a bit of nerve I think I think the thing that they did notice was the whole Park bookings went up during the COVID year because of the you know, so people staying in the UK. Yeah. And so it's been it's been yeah. an interesting time. But I
0: know there were a lot of people saying that the people that were staying in the UK were also a different type of customer that
1: they are, yeah. I mean, you're getting people. So, so uh, I mean, uh, you know, it, 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 it's apocryphal, but you, you talk to some of the parks, and you know, the, there are more Range Rovers in the car park nowadays, and uh, because people have, have learned that going through Gatwick Airport. or... Oh. You know those interminably long lines of passport control and security. Well, and
0: that's got worse because of Brexit. Because now you have to get your passport stamped, and you, you can't, do. You can't go down the EU uh, line.
1: No, you can't. I mean, funny that I, I was in, well I, I was in France, Switzerland last week, and I mean, Geneva Airport is has always been. I, I I I fly. I do a lot of skiing, so I fly in and out Geneva a lot, and um, it's always been a nightmare airport because security has always been. It's sort of tacked onto the retail area it doesn't, doesn't really work very well so you get these massive queues and then their passport control they've got three flights going out all at the same time all from the same gate all from the same group of gates yes and they've got one passport. and it, you just think i don't need this grief i I've really had, don't it's yeah, just not worth it i've had the same experience
0: with the, with a few flights i've I went to yeah. switzerland recently as well but also when i went to germany but we, had we, to be fair, though, we had a similar experience when we came off the ferry in France in the summer. They only had yeah. two passport booths yeah. open yeah. Yeah. for a whole ferry load of, you know, cars and motorhomes, caravans, etc. Well,
1: actually, genuinely, I think the French just think they're being clever. I think they're going, well, we felt go.
0: they were being difficult on, on purpose. Right? Exactly. We were, we were lucky we were quite near the front yeah. because we were at a motorhome came out of the front. And yeah. we got got clear quite quickly, but some people probably must have queued...
1: I think there was I think while. there was stories of three four hours of queuing coming oh, off the ferries and shit. i was going to that out. Yeah, I no, I think there was there was there was a queuerendous. Wow, it is, need they, to sort that out. Well, the the problem is it's you know it's the French and, and they you know they're doing what they do and it's them to provide the people to get into the passport boxes, and actually you know I, I mean it annoys me quite intensely. I mean Switzerland, and if you notice when you go through Geneva Airport, there are signs the passport signs say you know, this lane for Switzerland, EU, and UK, but they've got the UK badge stamped out. It's, it's taped off. Uh, so they're obviously thinking about it, and I can't yeah. see... I mean, what, what changed so much about, about people in the UK that they now have to have their passport checked and stamped? Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I know. Absolutely. You <laughs> know, the queues are much, much longer. Yeah, they are. And it's, yeah. and it's affecting France, because there are less less uk people going on holiday in France. okay so, that so you know it's it's it is effective more people staying here because mm. it's too difficult to get through those those yeah places. and my other
0: experience was we were going for a quick weekend to switzerland for, yeah. a, for a special occasion and uh, yeah our outward, outward flight was cancelled by uh, showcase. <laughs> happens <laughs> thank yeah. you yeah we managed to rearrange one, but we got there much later than we'd yeah. originally planned and thankfully the one the return one on us on
1: the sunday was uh, was fine which is funny that i mean that's another thing we were because I, I was talking last week when I was in Switzerland. And I said, you know, cancelled flights used to be fairly rare, but now you just sort of expect. I to was be late expecting and it really. Yeah. In
0: fact, I'm I'm away for half term next week. Yeah, and We're flying yeah. on Monday. Right. And I'm right. anxiously checking my emails every yeah, day at the yeah, moment, exactly. thinking, oh.
1: Well, did I was in Italy at the beginning of uh, half term. <laughs> I bet am getting put on holidays at the beginning of July, and we were we were in Tuscany for ten days for a, a friend's wedding anniversary. And, it's a big okay. and uh, coming back, there was a note saying, oh, sorry, the cancel. flight's cancelled. Mm-hmm. And the only flight we could get was from Rome three days late. So we ended up having to get a train down from Tuscany to Rome, book a hotel in Rome, and then get the flight back from there. Yes. To be honest, I mean, I, you know, you could get really cross and angry and stamp the feet, or go, I've got three days in Rome. That's easy yeah. day pay for it yeah so actually we were we weren't complaining depends
0: how flexible you are if you've got if you had young kids or something it'd be horrendous at that that time it was just me and my wife but next week we've got the whole family going yeah and and, yeah deadlines to get back for it ultimately you know dogs in doggy care exactly well
1: that (laughs) that is the problem i mean we've got (laughs) abby who's a marketing manager (laughs) manager. actually house sits for (laughs) us because she loves animals and we've got horses here obviously as well and and she she looks after them so we were okay with yeah um, but yeah I know
0: yeah there's, yeah there's all those sort of practicalities yeah, is, well, yeah well we went we were originally flying to Basel just because that's where our friends are and that's where we were flying back from so we had to leave our car at Heathrow and we yeah. having to go across London to London City to then get a flight to Zurich and then right, a train right. back back to Basel yeah which, yeah, a, yeah which meant we got there at a reasonable time otherwise because there was a we were, we were off to a later flight Still to Basel, but it wasn't getting there to like and landing at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, you so we're out in the airport and everything. It was just like, yeah, it wasn't an, wasn't such a practical option really. So at least if you're traveling while well, the UK, you've got less of those. But I know we have something. have, thing, right? have. Yeah. in reality. But cool, cool. This, this has been really interesting. So I've, got, I've got a couple of so like, quick fun questions. I normally yeah, ask okay. people at the end, which I did warn you about. <laughs> so one one of them is, if you had a magic wand, I wanted to do one thing to help obtain the the caravan straight glamping caravan industry. What what would it be? Any any thoughts on that?
1: You know, I thought about this, and, and actually, I I think the caravan industry, I think the caravan park industry works really well. I really do. And I was thinking about what you could do. I think the only thing I would do is I would I would increase the variety of options. I think we sort of love to say, and I think I think having a much wider range of very high end accommodation options would be a big change because mm-hmm. there are still a huge number of parks out there though. You know, they go to the the car manufacturers to buy power money and shove them in the rights. And that's just not the product right, right. So I think I would I would I would I suppose my magic wand would rather rudely be to remove the people that have been running some of the power groups for, for decades and put some younger people in charge for a bit more experience later. Right? For a new or, new audience a new generation. A new generation, I think, generation. I think yeah. it is. I mean, you know, the twenty five forty five bracket, which is the, the obvious target bracket. I just think they just want Experience and some park groups are getting it, some aren't. You know, there's there's a the whole thing that Hot if you do but yeah, that's what, I did, what I've done. I've so done, I'd introduce younger younger minds.
0: Cool, right. that's good. You've also got a lot of experience in this area, too. If you could have a holiday anywhere in the world in a caravan, presumably for you, it'd be a safari a lodge, yeah. Lodge. I, 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 mean, I was wondering
1: whether you could get a caravan or some Maldives, I wasn't
0: sure. You can get one of these, one of these lodges <laughs> the
1: no, I mean, I think, where would I go? Iceland, I think. Really? Like, uh, wow. yeah. no one else has said that. That's a novel. I would, uh, I've always wanted to go there, and it's somewhere, again, it's experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's an amazing place with some amazing views. And, uh, yeah, I think I'll probably go there.
0: That's a good choice. I would like to go as well, actually. I've been to, yeah, northern Scandinavia, and yeah. so that's uh, just one step further, really. It is, it is. <laughs>
1: and if you could
0: have a, a barbecue on a campsite or a fire, yeah, I suppose, maybe with one of these, with three people, dead or alive, not, not related to them, what... Um, who would you choose? Well,
1: I, 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 I had a different list when I first when you sent me the email through. But right now, I'd, I'd have Ricky, Ricky Shinak, Liz Truss, and uh, Boris Johnson. Because uh, I just think that would be hilarious—a bun, f- bun fight. It would be more than a bun fight. Very, very topical. <laughs>
0: just be hilarious. <laughs> wow, that'd be quite brave. Yeah, that'd be history, I suppose. At the same time, wouldn't
1: it? It, it, it would. It would. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the obvious things people say: Churchill. and you know, Oscar Wilde yes. and that sort of stuff, which I'm sure would be amusing and funny. Yeah. But I just thought, right now, that would just be the best best evening ever.
0: Do you follow the The Rest is Politics podcast? No, I don't. Where oh, do I go? recommend it, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they've just done an emergency... E- ep- well, they keep doing emergency episodes, <laughs> <don't they? laughs> because there's been so much going on. They've just done, obviously, one about, about uh, Liz yeah, Truss resigning right, right. Uh, just yesterday as we record this. So uh, it's run by Alistair Campbell.
1: Oh, I know the one. Sorry. I didn't, yeah, I
0: and... Oh, what's the other guy? Rory, Rory Stewart. Yes, so it's a yeah, really yeah. interesting mixture of, yeah, of views. Yeah. I really love Alice's insight into the media and, and from a PR perspective. Yeah. But then Rory is obviously being a, being a politician, politician, yeah. and he's very knowledgeable guy. He's an
1: amazing guy, actually. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, he he's, he's so intelligent. I mean, he's yeah. one of those guys that just exudes intelligence. complete so. complete encyclopedia. It's, I know. I, yeah. I mean, I, was, I think the story of him wasn't he? He he was about I think he was mid twenties. Wasn't he out in, a, was it Iraq or somewhere? And, he, and they made him ambassador or consul or something, which was his first sort of big step on the ladder. And, um, you know, I remember seeing him interviewed and just thought he, he knows his subject. Hmm. It was a bit like Paddy Ashton was always, you know, that he knew the Vulcans. And when you've got someone that knows that much, I mean, they should really be put in positions that, where the knowledge and experience... experience he, did, take, he did you put know.
0: himself forward for... Uh, he did to run for a promise he doesn't
1: have the, he, he's too clever in some respects for the for the or too the, nice yeah. maybe maybe yeah or too honest maybe yeah maybe, maybe. Uh, maybe. yeah but a, lo- a lovely guy and, yeah uh, i'm very impressed huge amount of time
0: yeah cool yeah. lovely okay we'll, we'll leave it there thank you okay. very much it's been really interesting right, Actually, i'm glad i've sort of looked into this side of the industry as well it's Good. been really yeah, really yeah. obviously very knowledgeable thank you very much indeed That's there we are. Thank you to Mark Scott. I hope the audio quality was okay there. It was great to see the the lodges and hear about the future and the growth of his company. What an interesting sector it turned out to be. So um, that's it for this week. But next week, we delve into commercial vehicles and electric vehicles with an interview with Kate Thompson from Volkswagen Commercial Vehicles. And it's another interview that I've done while out and about, actually sitting in the very cool new all electric Volkswagen ID Buzz. There's a Buzz and there's a Buzz Cargo, which we talk about the obvious um, interesting converters because that's going to make a very cool camper van, hopefully one day. And also, obviously, the uh, when will there be an all-electric California version of the ID Buzz. You can find out about all that next week. In the meantime, have a great time, stay safe, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It would be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview or are interested in sponsoring this podcast or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com. Or message me on Instagram at Rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.